Well, hello, Joe. I'm glad to have you on the Full-Time Hustler podcast and hear all the good things you're doing. Um, with that being said, let me turn the floor to you. You tell me the good, the bad, the ugly about who is Joe. Who is Joe? Boy, that is a really interesting question. Um, so I'm I'm an entrepreneur by heart. Uh, been part of several tech projects in the past. Um, kind of been in a lot of different spaces over the years. I've been in the entertainment space where we did concerts. Uh, we actually did a, a tour where we raised money for nonprofits, brought in celebrities, um, and helped with the drug addiction uh, that was happening throughout the state of Ohio. Uh, we raised money and helped people get into treatment. Uh, we helped cities and states um, actually over overcome some of the major issues that they had, as well as I was a part of the first text message marketing uh, service in the world. Uh, we had held every major campaign and uh, it just was the wrong time for it, but I had direct interaction with from Fortune 500 companies to the biggest record labels in the world uh, with some of the biggest artists in the world where we ran uh, different campaigns for them on the basis of, of uh, text message marketing as well as conversational AI. Um, I think we were the first one to ever do a ticket, uh, thing was for Britney Spears, where we did it via text message, where people got a QR code and it was the first one to ever happen. This was back in like 2006 and they did it all from text message. Uh, we did online betting for the uh, racing uh, Churchill Downs. So did all kinds of cool stuff with that. And I've always been intrigued in, in technology. So that's kind of what led me to where I am today. Wow, so you've been, so how long have you been an entrepreneur? Uh, is lifetime an answer? I don't know. Yeah. I've always been an entrepreneur. I, I know when I was a kid, uh, remember when they used to sell those old candy bars? Mm -hmm. sell the world's finest chocolate <laughs> um yeah well i saw that business model and created my own and then started going to costco and uh, uh, sam's club and buying all the candy bars and i was making a killing in school with drinks and candy bar i had a whole duffel bag full of food <laughs> i'd sell at school shoot i was doing several hundred dollars a week for a kid that's uh that's some good money so i've oh, been yeah. doing ever since the candy hustler. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you got to think in school, like, that's a good hustle. That's a real good hustle. That is a solid one because they'll buy it up. That's 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 pr that's prime business opportunity. That's prime hustle. Yeah, it, it was like drug dealing in class. They'd be like, give me one of those M&Ms. You over passing M&Ms to them? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Smuggling M&Ms in, in algebra. Yep. Everybody's all on the... Uh, Got that sugar high going on. Everybody's all moving around. Teachers all frustrated. It was, uh, it was good time. Then the next class, they all fall asleep. Oh, absolutely. Yep, man. And what's the blame? There's Joe at the source. Their sugar highs done crashed. Hey, but that is the drug dealer method because now they got to come back and get the sugar fix. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's the legal <laughs> drug dealer method. <laughs> so tell me. What are you working on now? I think that's the, the crux of what we're going to talk about today. So tell me, what are you working on presently then the, from Candy Hustle to tech to present? Um, so what I'm working on now uh, is a project called Interactive, um, and it's a platform that can do a lot of things. I mean, really, we're looking at the way that customers and businesses interact. Uh, for the time being, but we're kind of focused in how businesses internally interact with one another and externally interact with one another. And so our, our core focus right now is within the event space because there's very little uh, competition within that space. It's a good starting point and entry point to uh, get into companies. Absolutely. So tell me about this, the event, the event space, which is where you're coming in. Um, what does who is the ideal user and what do they have to do to to get onboarding? Um, ideal user for this is basically anyone that's really a vendor at uh, any type of show. So everyone at some point in their life has went to some type of festival um, or they've went to like some state fair 
and you see all those boosts that are set to the side. Uh, you know, a good example is one that I've seen a lot of like home service companies, like window companies, where they'll say, you can win this free window room. If you come here and sign up, and then you go grab a piece of paper, you put your name and information down, you scribble it down so they can barely read it, um, and then they've got to go back to the office. They've got to enter it into the CRM. Hopefully, they can read it. Um, but they also don't have a lot of information from you. So, like what we do is we come in and develop a a better like data centric strategy with it when we're creating it. So let's say the home service company offers several different services. So they don't just get to learn about you as the customer of here's your name, here's my phone number, um, but they also would get information of like you own a house, you own a condo, you have an apartment, and all this information, and it would it would pass all these different information they can collect capture and then it can send you something that's personalized marketing for you but also enter you into a very hyper specific component for like a drip campaign within their crm allowing them to constantly market these people so that they're getting a much higher roi off of the event itself um, and it can operate basically anywhere business cards flyers heck we and we're even testing it on clothing where your sales reps are walking call to action um, but it could operate on your website as an embed or chat as well. So it can kind of operate wherever you operate. Uh, but that's kind of what we're doing. So if I understand the problem and the solution, I mean, getting into the problem, the problem is the current marketplace. And as you described in your example is there's not very good data capture at any event marketing for vendors. It's is as you, as your example, it's like here, sign this piece of paper with your name and hopefully it's legible. And then that person still has the onus, the business of uploading that to their CRM. So you're essentially bringing that process to the 21st century and a lot of auto and, and more automation and and being able to capture and that capture what you capture going to their CRM. So and if that's true, it, it, then describe to me how you work with the CRM or do you first off and second, um, again, it sell that point or I think that's really the sizzle is the how you integrate with CRM and people can do or vendors can use that information that they catch from these various people they meet at at events. Correct. So yeah, we do work with CRMs. We really work with anything within your tech stack uh, that needs to be optimized for what you're doing. Um, so we work with the CRM as we do native integration. So I mean, we can oh, wow. do any integration to any system. Um, so we we have a CTO that he's done that for Fortune companies. With if you ever seen their tech stack on Fortune companies, there's thirteen thousand systems for no apparent reason. So there's a lot of integrations that have to happen within those systems. So we do the native integration, um, and then we kind of look at how the data is going to flow in and how it's going to operate, and we work directly with the person that oversees the CRM or the IT staff um, or even the CSO um, before looking at security parameters. So we can even lock down how the data transfers, what data transfers, and how it reacts within the system. Uh, and that's just from the CRM side, and we can format the data. This is where we've had a conversation before is, we can actually change the data to work differently in different systems. So it can auto reformat the data to something that would be understandable to something like a uh, document management system. So maybe you want them to go through this process and you also want it to preliminarily draw up a contract. So we can add that into the flow that happens after so that there's really this whole ecosystem of automation that's happening, making the data action board real time in multiple systems. I think that's really the key, the value add of what of what your of your offer here is the automation and and the flow uh, and the flow that you can create from it. It is really this ecosystem that starts with the vendor at an event. But I, I take it that this could go broader than just events. Correct. Yeah, that's just really the entry point of what we're doing. Uh, you know, really moving towards like being able to optimize multiple facets of your business um, all in one system. And, and that's that's really where we're going with this vision is the ability to, you know, automate support. You're doing it internally and externally. Automate your ticketing systems. Um, it basically starts fitting everywhere 
that your company has a lot of staffing where it can come in, it can replace 60 to 90% of the actual work that needs to be done because we're creating the data on one side, but also making it actionable in your system to understand what's happening with this area, what's happening with that area, understanding problems before they become problems. Um, and, and that's really where we, we thrive is within that data capture and that consumable data in multiple systems all in real time, where a lot of people don't really focus on that. They focus on the automation, but they don't focus on the data itself. And if the data is not there and it's not actionable, then it hurts the whole process. Because, I mean, who wouldn't want to know that there's a problem with a specific part in, a, uh, in some new machine that you released out months before it becomes a massive issue. And that's the types of things that we can diagnose because we're bringing in that data and making it actionable within all of your systems. Well, tell me where you're, where's your company at presently and where are you headed? What's the plans? Yeah, we're, we're in super startup mode. Um, <laughs> we're at the beginning stages of uh, what we're doing. And so we're just really getting started with this vision. Uh, we've got some clients on, I'm talking to clients every day. Um, and so we're looking really, I know first quarter, we've got a lot that we're going after within the first quarter because, you know, fourth quarter budgets are not great. No one really wants to spend much in fourth quarter. Um, so we're really just preparing for first quarter to really take off. Um, but yeah, that's, I expect next year should be pretty good in, in the midst of, uh, you know, working with raising some capital to really bring out the company, get in front of the right people and uh, bringing on some of the right team members as advisors to help us get through these hurdles and try to start hitting the, uh, the 10 plus million dollar revenue. That is the plan. I love it. So this is a inside the weeds question, but uh, do you integrate with artificial intelligence? And if so, how, what has been your thoughts with AI? Do we integrate with it? Uh, not currently. We haven't really had the, I guess it depends how you define it, but we haven't really had the use case where we've got into it. Now we, we are testing some components with AI ourselves that we've actually built. Um, but, for the future, there's going to be a ton of AI and machine learning within our systems. Um, like right now, we're offering a lot of data, data, I assume. Correct. Yeah. So right now we started with kind of like a mix of like the, the interactive form and uh, the chatbot type of thing that works within like the website. We're moving towards with the vision is getting into telephone systems, text message systems, and really moving forward with a lot of the conversational AI taking a different approach to the conversational AI overall and being able to score data, not just within our system where it is now, but scoring data from the front, from the starting point of the conversation, just like our, our brain actually reacts to stimuli and would control conversations differently, allowing us to capture better data, but also to uh, improve processes within the whole infrastructure and also collecting all these new data points that can be actionable within the system and uh, really just making insights faster, easier, and a better customer experience overall. So right now, if, if, if did I hear you right, that right now the main implementation for a consumer that wants to join on board is they would integrate with your, you would integrate with their website via the chat flow. Yeah, so we can operate through the chat flow. We can operate through the interactive uh, form. So like your call to actions on there. Um, some of your ticketing systems also work as kind of like a form base. Um, so we can interact with either side. Uh, we've actually, within our system, it's built out where it develops the uh, CSS and the HTML to actually plug in. So basically, as long as you use one of the website builders like a Wix, Weebly, but really more like a WordPress. Um, if you have any embed function within within your site builder, all you got to literally do is copy our code and plug it in. It's agnostic. So it automatically puts it in your website for you. It scrolls with your website. It opens, it closes, it does everything you need to uh, without us having to plug into each and every website. We just want to make it agnostic. So it's, it's super simple. Anyone can do it. If you can copy, paste, and hit submit, you can do it. So the the, so the real 
gem here is the simplicity and also the universality it's that you can integrate with the bulk of every website yep yeah we want everything that we do to be basically super simple but also agnostic because if it's not and you change your website uh program that you use well that doesn't work with it well that doesn't make sense so we need to we look at how to build things that are more agnostic and can work anywhere and everywhere so that's a good segue to my next question so to date tell me about your journey to date building this this venture and you know the kind of the ups and downs the tests and iterations you've made and and what's brought this venture to where it's current form uh well so that's a that's a long journey it's a long-winded question and answer it, it can be it's a profound question yeah so i mean we actually started with something very different we started with the recovery space uh, building an apps and uh we tested a few different business models early on. Uh, we actually had some deals getting worked out with the prison system, was managing mental health within the prison system, and then COVID-19 happened. And so we went from this project that took us two years to uh, get finished up and finalized to uh, having the $10 million just flow right through our hands and uh, totally missing it and having to start over. And that's kind of actually where, what led us to where we are today. It's uh, it's been a long, long journey uh, to get here. But I mean, the, the good thing is there's a lot of learning that happens in between all this. You know, a lot of people, a good founder doesn't give up. So if one idea doesn't work, if this falls apart, you're gonna continue to push forward because what you do is you have to change your mindset of looking at it as a failure to a learning experience because everything I've done has been something new that I've learned. And so it's a long journey to get to where we are today. Um, but there's so much more that my character built better for bringing out a big company and helping scale it up because I've went through a lot of pitfalls to get here where I am today. How do you know when to pivot? Um, so you know when to pivot when, <laughs> well, that's, that's also a long way question. Um, I'm good at those. Yeah, how do you know when to pivot? Uh, well, when you, your money dries up, that's a good time to pivot. Uh, but sometimes it's just looking at where the market is, uh, where the market's going. Uh, I know I was too focused early on on kind of creating a market that I thought existed versus I study a lot now and I really am predicting kind of where things are headed for the future. So I'm building for the future, not for right now, which allows me to not have to really focus on the pivot uh, as much. But when you start seeing things dry up and you're studying, you're understanding industries and where industries are gonna fall off. Um, and that's really when you've got to look at your pivot strategy, either where I pivot here or I build out further so that I can meet the need that's gonna happen in two years. And that's something I had to learn throughout the journey. That is key. And I think you nailed something a lot of early stage entrepreneurs fail to and it's they build something that isn't there that there's not a market to support despite their best intentions um that was a key key point so what challenges have you faced internal resources time results etc cetera, etc cetera. another profound question of course uh yes <laughs> is that an answer i can say yes uh basically everything about it I mean, the, the knowledge is one one thing that, you know, I didn't have the knowledge early on. So uh, that was a definite pitfall. Um, resources, yeah, I mean, we funnel in our own money into this project. And once you get so much built out with it, you're like, oh, I'm broke. That's fun. <laughs> so your marketing budget is non-existent. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the team challenges that you have, uh, like we've even had like wolves that come out, you know, they see your vision and they try to get a part of it, try to tie themselves into the company. And uh, I, I just call them the startup wolves because they just kind of sit on the sidelines and they try to pick up startups, uh, talk a good game, get you to sign up, give them some equity. And then they, uh, they want to sit back and uh, wait for you to uh, succeed. How do you define so your audience? How do you, how do you pick audience? an audience out of, you know, you could sell to everybody. How do you go from everybody to knowing who, 
is your market? Uh, so knowing who your market is, well, first you got to define like, who are you selling to? So like you're saying something like a vendor of events, uh, then you take on like you find a large event that you're looking at and then target um, those people within the company. Um, I, at the beginning stages, it's a little harder because uh, what, what we're selling, I mean, there's a lot of big companies we're pushing this into, which means this long sales cycle is kind of annoying. But what we've learned in here is like we can't just go to marketing. So even though marketing is a big part of the decision making process, we actually have to start with sales because sales understands the process when marketing doesn't. So if we initially try to sell to marketing first, they're not as receptive, but if we we push it to sales first, like a business development manager or VP, and then we bring it from there because they understand the problem of what we're solving, and then they bring it to marketing, and then we talk about the benefits of marketing with sales and how the two unite together. Um, that's a that's a key element, but that those things take a little while to figure out. It's really just trial and error. You really got to reach out to people and uh, kind of see how your pitches go. But sometimes it's just a uh, hit and a miss. <laughs> it's That's over. Cool. What are your key use cases? I know that you've mentioned you've 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 kind of narrowed gave me the first one in that your your go to market is aimed around the event marketing space and vendor management and how they capture that data or essentially how currently they don't um, and how nineties that tech really is right on a piece of paper. And you mentioned that the person on the business end that you're looking for is more of a sales oriented role. Um, so there's, I take is the primary use case, but for anyone listening, what is the use case and who are you looking to speak to? So for the event one, yeah, you're talking, you know, that that's one thing. I mean, we've kind of talked about that already with the VPs, mm -hmm. uh, business development, but it really depends who you're selling to. So with ours, you know, there's a lot of different markets we can sell to. So, I mean, we can sell to the, uh, the, the IT market for the ticket. So we, we may have to have a VP or a CIO that has to sign off on that project. Um, if you, if we're going to sign it, sell it for uh, like support, it may be more like an operations, a VP of operations um, or a customer experience VP. Um, so the, it just depends kind of what types of models where we're selling it for, where it's either working as a chat bot that's helping bring down your cost for your um, your uh, your support staffing, which is very expensive for is working for your your ticketing system, maybe internally. And though instead of just submitting a ticket to IT and then eventually they get to you and help fix the problem, it defines what your problem is. And if you can solve it yourself, it gives you content on exactly step by step how to solve it. Um, then you're selling to like IT. So it really just depends like types of use cases that you can that you're going to you really got to understand who your audience is because i can't send sell a uh, support system to sales department they're not going to understand it so you really got to find like who oversees that side who does it benefit the most and start the conversations there sometimes you got to move around in the company when you're having those discussions so because sometimes you may have to hit a cfo you know if you're talking about a big money problem them and nobody's listening to you maybe you have to hit the cfo and show him how much money they're losing um so you know sometimes it's one thing i like that you're saying because you're always pivoting to figure out how to sell this product one thing that's really key in what you're saying is 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 embedded in what you're saying is know who you're talking to i.e you have a company and it has its pitch however the way you're describing it is you're tailoring that pitch to who you're talking to, whether it be business development, whether it be a marketing professional, or whether it even be the financial officer, which as you mentioned there in your, your example, there you would, you know, you would highlight the, the cost savings. Um, sales, you would obviously implement, the, it kind of sells itself in that the value of the implementation and the value they get uh, in, implied driving the sale and how much more efficient that will be. Marketing, i.e. the flow, but I've noticed in what you're saying that you're tailoring this overall pitch of a company to the actual audience that's on the other end. Who do you have the appointment with? I think that can't go overstated. So tell me, this is a, a, a I need to see emotion. Um, what, what excites you about what you're working on? Why are you doing this, Joe? Why this? Other than just to make money and put food on your table, 
Um, why are you doing this? Um, I, profound, huh? Profound. Really? So, so why am I doing this? I mean, yeah, it could go a lot of different ways. I mean, from the technical side, um, early on, I struggled with addiction and uh, I learned a lot of things when creating a program to help me stay sober. And I kind of I really understood how the brain worked. So part of what led me here is basically the inner workings of the brain and what what we can do when we expand communication on a uh, virtual level. Um, and that's really what led me here, which is weird when you hear like it's event automation. Like, what do you mean by the brain? Uh, there's components in the structure that we're building now for 10 years from now. You know, it's it's a process. So that is extremely excites me because of what we can do for the future, not just within like the business world, but even in like med tech type space with it. Um, the other side of just, I wasn't built to be an employee. Um, so I, I've, I cannot work for other people. I just I suck at it. So, um, and the other side is really like, I want to build something that can number one give back which part of our goal was what we're doing is we're going to be allotting within the next year or so we're going to be allotting a specific amount of our money into mental health and substance abuse where we're developing tech and uh, even funding facilities uh, with our money just to give back to people and to give people you know something for free that can help them sustain and get through uh, so a big part is also the give back. It's making a difference in communities. Um, it's another part. You know, I grew up with nothing. So growing up with nothing, living in the projects, that's uh, it's a hard place to be. You know, everybody talks about it, but are they creating programs within their company? Not just funding somewhere, but creating programs in your company or, or being strategic on where you set up offices and giving people opportunities to move up in your company that wouldn't generally get the opportunity for it. Um, you know, things like that are really intriguing to me on moving forward. And, you know, the last thing is really just developing something that I can eventually give my kids, something I can be proud of for the future. Um, and that's a big part. All those elements kind of make up why I do what I do. I love the the play on psychology. And I've said before that uh, I'm not a psychologist. Let me give a disclaimer. Um, however. The, the, I do have a sideline interest in it. You know, I read Carl Jung, um, even though he's a psychiatrist, but, you know, the founder of depth psychology, you know, Jordan Peterson, listening to him. The reason I find psychology insightful, and I try to tell other founders that you should know a little psychology, and I mean just basic line uh, or basic, is at the end of the day, that's a, you're dealing with human consumers. You know, all your consumers. And business itself is a byproduct of human labor, and psychology is just simply knowing the human and how we tick what, you know, why yellow versus green in your branding down to those things. Of course, you don't have to get that into the weeds, but knowing a little psychology helps because at the end of the day, you are dealing with, with people. And I think what I hear you say also embedded in your, in your why statement is ultimately I, what I hear this tech doing is helping humans conver have conversations and connect, but, holistic and valuable conversations in the digital sphere or in the meta, I guess you could say metaverse. Would that be a stretch? No, no, that's actually a big part of our later on uh, strategy. It's part of what we've noticed that uh, things are going to be, are moving more virtual. Uh, when you looked into the, the pandemic that happened and you saw the movement of how fast tech was accepted and how fast tech moved, I mean, it moved, anywhere between 10 to 20 years past where it should be currently. So you're seeing things like the VR and AR, which is not just uh, something that's being pushed by Meta, but uh, look into the government grants in the space. The government itself is behind AR and VR. So when you're starting to see those shifts, that's what I was talking about, about predicting the future of where things are headed. You know, it's a lot of people think that somebody with a crystal ball that's like, oh, the future is... No, it, it's it's data. It's understanding, like reading and, and staying up on where things are currently, but who's doing what, what type of money is being put behind it. And a good indicator for future movement is governmental support. 
And I'm seeing that a lot. There's uh, there's billions and billions of dollars that's been put into grants for AR VR. Um, really? That means that they're really? in full support. Yeah, they're in full support of this movement into this virtual. And if you don't have a government on board, they're going to shut everything down. And yeah, you, have really the, you have the big the the existential risk of law, which we all fall under. You know, they're not behind you. They could easily pass a law tomorrow, and you're off the board. You know, that simple. Right. So when you're seeing shifts like that, you're under. For me, it's recognizing if they're behind it doing this, that means that they're fully behind this movement. So in the next ten or twenty years, you're going to be shopping at Walmart. But you're going to be shopping at Walmart through VR goggles. And Getting that's where I see the future. But to do that, you have to have a human-like experience. So really, conversational AI has to improve, not just within the system of the conversation, but it has to act more like the frontal lobe. The way that we interpret information, the way that information changes that when we get certain data inputs or stimuli, stimuli that's put in our brain of how that changes the conversation, how that ends, how, how we actually end it, or what types of outcomes come out of this type of conversation. And really, that's kind of where our core focus is. I mean, if you even think about it from the, uh, the component of where we are now, like why, why this means where we're going, is imagine, so... When you're having a conversation with someone, before your conversation starts, stimuli is already present, and the conversation starts differently for, you know, your best friend rather than your grandma. You talk very different to your best friend than your grandma. Right. When you see that person, it changes. It changes in your brain. So with what we're doing, why we're doing it this way, is the starting point is the, the person enters into the system they answer these different questions that are passed and scored. And then it's starting the conversation in the CRM on which way it goes. So we're already building towards that concept. Um, and that's why we build it the way we are and why we're slowly progressing to that actual vision. Joe, tell me about your vision of the future. What do you see it looking like? You gave an example with the uh, VR and shopping at Walmart in, in a virtual environment. Um, Tell me, to expand on that, tell me your, what is the future in Joe's eyes? Introduce me to the futurist, Joe Thomas. So the future, overall, the future is going to be more within, uh, it's going to be more virtual than anything else. But, you know, your Zoom meetings won't be Zoom meetings anymore. Um, you'll be sitting in a conference room with them, but without leaving your home. You're buying from amazon may not be going on a website but more of an type of system meaning like instead of you going to walmart or uh, amazon and searching for a product and then you click go to your cart maybe you're actually sh uh, searching in aisles with music playing and uh you know santa claus during the christmas time there's santa claus over there and you get this whole experience and that's where I see the future is really moving into that, that AR, VR model. But with the experience comes with it. You're going to be interacting with um, people at the cash register instead of just bringing it into your e-commerce bucket. Um, but the people that you're interacting with will not be people. They're going to be bots. So, that it, so for them, it's going to limit the, the amount of money they have to spend while providing very similar experience for you on the back end. So that's where I see a lot of the world really moving. Um, you know, you'll be able to go to a theme park without leaving your house. You'll be able to uh, do basically do anything that you can do generally. And you can walk in some park or go see some museum, but without leaving your house. And that's where I really think a lot of the components of the future is gonna be leading towards is those arenas so you've really got to build towards a, a full digital environment uh and, and i don't know i'm not going to say that's going to be anywhere like 10 years or anything it's going to be a slow process to get there but i mean you already see the consumption of video games and what does video games do to people you know i, I mean I, i've got friends that you know you put them in front of a video game and i mean their whole weekend like what'd you do all with video games like woke up went to sleep 
Woke up, went to sleep every day, straight video games. Or if you lying look at, you ass know, Nike teachers look at told us video games would rot our brain, and yet here they are, a trillion dollar industry. Exactly, exactly. And then, and if you look at like uh, Facebook, you know, Facebook's addiction rate is through the roof. You know, how many hours does an average person spend on Facebook every day? I mean, if you start looking at like the movement from that and video games and how that can eventually shift into a virtual environment, it's definitely possible. And uh, well, how do you add the element of the human, the element of human presence? Uh, which I believe will play into what we're speaking here of as the experience, which is what's lacking now in digital environments, is that ex the, the experience element, and particularly the human presence. How does that come into a digital environment? How do you capture that so that there is, like I can sit on the couch and yet be in a classroom, um, sort of kind of what we're doing right now, i.e. we're both in our homes, but yet there is a human element here with me and you. So how do you make the human element there without a physical person? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Like how do we incorporate incorporate that across the board, uh, broadly or within your within your application? Because um, I believe that that is the experience that we're missing. We're missing that now in all things digital. What is missing, despite it the simplicity that it brings to our life, i.e. checking out the cart, having it delivered, you know, two, two, you know, two days later. Yet in that example, I don't need to interact with the store nor the delivery person. Yet and when you get broader than just shopping, what is missing a lot of times in digital environments is the human presence. That whatever element that brings, it is an element to the experience. Humans in the experience is a lot impacted by other humans, not the digital tech stack that we're using in my opinion. Correct. I mean, there, there's a lot of areas. I mean, your front end data load uh, would be a big component that you're looking at. So like I discussed before, it's like the stimuli. It's all the data components that would start a conversation differently. Um, so the next is, I, I would say the voice, voice AI is not exactly where it needs to be yet either. Um, As you say, a conversational AI is really just scripted form that's not that great in conversation. For the most part, yeah. And, and then you've got to bring in another thing that no one's really looking at is how do you bring in visual AI to work hand in hand with conversational AI? How does that become a new data point that you add in? So I think a, a lot of the times, not enough data points, number one. The, the flow is still not hyper-specific in the way it flows. So... You know, it, it may be like one or one to three. So if you answer this it, or this and this, it could be one one of three pass. But you may have right. to look more at how do we make it for like thirty five. You know, because in our brain, there's there's a lot going on all the time. So you've got to improve kind of the flow. You've got to improve another part is a lot of the scoring things that happen for like outcome based at the end is. Uh, based on uh, either a few questions or it's based on the whole set, but the whole set is an ending point. So you start this conversation flow, and at the end, if they have this score, then it's this. Uh, what we're looking at is how do we break it apart? How do we say that these three questions are scored to actually start a pathway of one of these 30 pathways? Um, so we get more hyper-specific in... But to do that, you really have to be wide and have options. The more data points you bring in. Yeah. Yeah, so then and then as you bring in all those data points, then the machine learning would kick in. And now the, the start of the conversation for the next time you deal with the customer is right on key. You know, imagine a world where you're having a problem with your internet. And what if you can have it solved in 60 seconds because you've had enough conversations with the system. It knows how you work. And it tells you how to fix the problem first. It knows exactly, and it's analyzed your system. So it understands both system data and it understands data with how you work, how you operate. And so it's efficient. It comes in, it's like, hey, you just need to reset your modem here. Your modem's having this uh, by unplugging this here. And it shows the video of how to unplug it. Because no, it's figured out by working with this person, the visual is the way that this person works best. So it understood what the problem was and how they learn and how they can work. And then it, it brought it into the system and they can fix it right then and there. So, I mean, I think that's the future of kind of where all this stuff's at. My last question for professional purposes would be, 
So tell me right now, this conversational and this data capture form uh, and questionnaire that you're building and targeting and really going after the event space first. And obviously it has use cases everywhere, generally speaking, anywhere that data is captured. Um, tell me, what is it about your system that is ask that can start that conversation better and ensure it in some way? I don't quite know the question I'm asking. I'm rolling here is from the let's take the events for an example where they ask you know get a free window put out your name and email here all right tell me how it is that your system is bringing that conversation and inclines me to answer it actually give an answer i should start there um and two what does and i guess let me stop there let me that is the question it's from that here sign up for this free window some you know catch you know headline equivalent you know, to get my attention. Now I'm shifting on your vendor at this event and it says, Hey, you know, free window sign up here. Now they've got my data. Now tell me what it is that you're doing that brings that essentially into the 21st century. And if so, I mean, you know, that's paramount because it's uh, like, why am I more inclined to interact with your software than walk by that vendor or fill it out in case I need free windows? So I'm not going to say that it's going to, it's going to increase the amount of people that fill it out. What I'm going to say for that, there's already gamification happening within that model. So that model is saying that if you do this and you can get this, so gamification is already there. So they've already got the traffic. The problem that you're solving with that, that group is number one time spent that they have to bring it into the system. Number two, being able to read it and understand it. But number three, the data that you're collecting, is not very valuable. So the same amount of time that you're going to fill out this form because of the way things work on your phone, if you've ever filled out a form before, auto population is already going to happen on your contact data. So you're going to scan a QR code. You're going to you're going to put a J for my first name, and everything is going to populate. All we got to do is click a button, and everything will populate. Going to answer like three or four or five questions, which will take me less than 20 seconds um, to do. And in response to that where things differ is on their side before is they've got your information. They can just call you. They know no information about you. So then they've got to get on the phone find out, do you have a house? Do you own a condo? Uh, what types of windows do you have? What, what installation do you have? Well, what if we can ask all that stuff before? The intel's already there. So now all the conversations that happen with you from a drip campaign, from text message or email is hyper-focused on something that's very specific to you. You know, if you own a condo, maybe it's selling something very different to the condo owner than it's selling to the house owner. So that way it can be very specific so that it can bring in these people that doesn't convert from the call after the event to customers over time because it's very specific with who they are and what their problems are. You know, what I think is beautiful here is kind of the duality in what you're saying. And, and the duality, and I'm going to say a word that I can't pronounce, I'm going to need your help is the universality of it in that you can fit and capture this data pretty much anywhere. We, we're using events as an example, but it's anywhere data is captured uh, with a consumer. This is where you have a use case. Um, again, events being an example. Um, yet, so there's this universality to this ecosystem that you're pulling together. And yet the specificity, whatever, the spe being specific to that user, i.e. now I know that this user has X, Y, and Z, which has... Uh, tremendous marketing value because now I'm not sending a blind email. It's like this person is X, Y, Z fits the, and can, I can put that into a specific funnel uh, for a particular product or service geared at them based off Intel that I have in my system. So I think again, it's right. universality and I need your help here. The specificity. Yes. It's both. It's universal and specific. Correct. Universal implementation we, specific in use. Correct. Yeah, that's why we created it that way uh, because it can be used anywhere, but it can be very specific in how we do it. Um, you know, also a little difference with us than other groups. A lot of SaaS companies or platforms and service companies, they say, well, here's our software. Good luck. Uh, which will actually come in and we'll work with them on data strategy. So within the first call, we define the strategy and how to build it and put the thing together and develop it out for them. So I would be super quick and efficient. I would, I would, I would like to think that 
the way I'm envisioning your software that pretty much any SaaS is applicable and any and more than just SaaS, but anyone or you know platform as a service, enterprise as a service, we've got to get broad now, but any tech company and not just tech company, but also tech companies and any company that is focusing on any form of marketing type funnel. If a company has a marketing funnel, this will help them tailor because they're going to get capture specific information that helps them form said funnels. Correct. That is the beauty of it. I think Joe, they, it, and so essentially anyone listening, if you are, have any interest in marketing automation at all, start here because it will help that automation. There's no point in automating a dead hole, you know, or a, a, a zero lead. Like this will help you create said funnels and execute those funnels. You know, I, you know, the customer answers this, go here, then go there. A lot of that automation you can help with because it's like you, you capture that front end data that, again, those funnels are, I assume, built on. Correct. Yeah. So you're, you're capturing data, not just on your customers, but, you know, like events, we, we also have the, uh, the threshold to capture the who uh, from the uh, salesperson, which is a big point from like the events, uh, capture the event, which a lot of times uh, we talk several billion dollar companies that have no idea what their ROI is off the event because there's no way to actually determine what came from the event, what did. So, you know, bringing in those extra components to it, also understanding uh, then it becomes understanding. So let's say you do, we'll still use events as the, the core topic. Let's say you do this specific event here. What if you can understand your customer base better at that event because you understand that they're averagely homeowners that are between the age of 35 to 45 uh, that generally come to our booth. Well, what if your marketing can now be focused on 35 to 45 rather than 28 to 55? So then you focus on your core market because you understand your market from each event. And then it also helps you understand, like, if I'm going to invest in digital advertising for this area, who do I, what's my core market? Because sometimes it's, my core market could be 25 to 80. Uh, but you've got to get really hyper-focused on who's really going to buy your product. And this is where you, you can start broad with it. And all the data then starts working on each and every part of your business to help you understand different components about them, to give intel, increase your sales, improve your staffing, um, improve your ROI. And then you start plugging in all these different areas. And then you start seeing time savings on the other side where now it's going into creating contracts. Uh, now it's flowing into Tableau for business intelligence. So now I'm getting predictive and prescriptive analytics out of it because now it's also consumable there. It's moving into your customer service management system and it's understanding problems uh, before they become problems. And that's that's where this becomes super valuable because then it connects to your entire ecosystem and you get to understand each and every component of your business quicker, more efficiently. I love it. I think the simple example is the difference in having an email list. And all I know about that email list is subscribed or not subscribed versus being able to segment that email list down to however I want to segment, i.e., you know, homeowner, ver you know, again, how the endless examples of, again, do you want to just have an email list and names and addresses that that's all you have subscribed or not subscribed, or do you want to again, capture data, and be able to segment that infinite in directions. Um, and again, in your point, and please anyone listening, know your audience and really refine them and refining meaning by asking good questions on the front end. So let me ask before we have to wrap up here as our time limit just hit, uh, what do you want to promote? Was there anything you need from anyone listening? Uh, well, we are, we're about to start the investment cycle. Um, so just in case uh, where somebody would else I know doesn't you want have a, to. Uh, do you have a public deck or a public where they could see information? Uh, yeah, we'll be releasing that shortly. Uh, it's not out yet. Uh, we've got it finished up, but we've got to do a few tweaks to it. Um, oh, I'll so be we'll, sure to we'll include have those that in the link. Send it. So, yeah, and uh, I mean, if you're, you're coming for. Uh, you know, automation and data strategy and uh, 
and areas that can help improve your sales marketing process, uh, definitely check us out. Go to, go to our website and find me on LinkedIn and uh, we can have a conversation. What is your website? It is interactive.io, which is spelled enter like enter on your keyboard, E-N-T-E-R, active without an E. So it's A-C-T-I-V dot I-O. If you're talking to your 18 or 25 year old self, what would you say, Joe? Don't be an idiot. I mean, so that, that would probably be the first one. Uh, no, I would encourage me to, to get into, to start a business earlier, uh, to, to learn more about it. I thought, I thought going to college would give me all the experience I needed to start a business. And I was, uh, I was wrong. So really get into studying and learn like how to start a business, how to manage a business, how to run a business, you know, find things that you're, you're things that you, you love. That's like part of your core identity. And uh, find places where you can utilize that. You know, look for things that's going to make you happy for the rest of your life being part of. Um, Follow that inner voice. I those inner passions. Follow it. What book are you reading? Uh, We've got Traction uh, as one that I'm rereading right now. Um, it's a good book that talks about kind of your strategy overall with your business. It's really like a one-page strategy that breaks it down. I think I actually have it here. In a Interesting book. It's used by a lot of uh, consultants in the, um, but basically it's giving you a full thorough area to get a grip on every facet of your business. What's on your playlist, Joe? Apparently you now, since I uh, started listening to Oh, awesome. Great uh, answer. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got Gary V and a few others, but uh, honestly, my, I don't, I don't know. I'm random in my podcast. I'm more like I research a specific topic and then find people on it rather than listen to the same people all the time. Joe, it has been a blast. I'm going to stop the recording. Um, If we get disconnected, just join the link again.